Hello, Parik. How are you doing? Hi, I'm so sorry I'm late. I got held up at a Sport Ireland board meeting. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no problem at all. No problem at all. I'd like to welcome you to this podcast, uh, Parik, and I'd also like to welcome the listeners. And just to fill in the listeners, uh, today on this uh, on this interview, we have a very impressive, uh, very impressive uh, young man, Parik Moran. He's a Paralympian. He's a Paralympian with the Ireland Paralympics team. And um, he he has overcome a lot uh, in you know he has had a lot behind him and a, a lot of great achievements behind him. And uh, Parik, you're going to tell us more about uh, about that as we go along. But I suppose to start off with yourself and how it all started off uh, back in your school days and how you got into it. And uh, I think you've always you've always had a, an interest in sport, haven't you? Yeah, I suppose for me, sport has always been a big thing in my life, and I suppose. From the very start, my family adopted the attitude that there was no such word as I can't uh, do things. So they very much pushed me out into the world. Um, I'm 36 now. I'm from Brain County Wicklow. And I was born back in 1984. And at the time when I was born, I was a little bit impatient. And I arrived 56 days early, um, which left me weighing a grand total sum of 17 ounces, which was about a half pound bag of sugar. So I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy after I was born. So the way that affects me is my right side would be my good side. My left side is my bad side. So although my left side is there, it doesn't really work. So I, I, I totally am right side dependent. And I use a power chair to get around and crutches at uh, the odd time as well. So I suppose for me, um, my early school days, I was in, in an able Ireland school till I was uh, eight years old. And at the time, the teacher there, who's actually one of my best friends now, Siobhan de Prayer, um, kind of realised that my disability was just purely physical and, you know, I was really clever. So they, she had a chat to my mum and dad and they made the decision that I would be able for mainstream uh, school. So I moved to St. Kevin's and Greystones in County Wicklow when I was eight. And that was a bit strange because I went from a school where there'll be loads of other people in wheelchairs or a walking aid or people that are visually impaired to me being the only one that was different and, and things like that. So that was kind of a bit strange uh, to, to, to get used to that. And when I went to that school, the main sports were play, were play, were like hurling and football. So I had to adapt to that and I didn't want not to be able to play uh, football or anything like that. So, um, it was really strange because I was always the first one to be picked because I could knock the ball out of the air with my crutches. So for me, it didn't matter what it was. I was always going to give it a go. Uh, and, you know, I did. And and primary school, to a degree, was really, really enjoyable up until about sixth, uh, sixth class. And um, secondary school probably wasn't as enjoyable uh, for me. Um, when I moved into secondary school... Um, I require a laptop to enable me to work because with cerebral palsy, I'm unable to write for long periods of time. So this caused an issue with the other students because they needed additional equipment and things like that. Fair play to you. And uh, of course, I suppose a combination of, uh, you know, a great attitude by your by your mum, yourself and uh, your, your best friend, the teacher in the previous school, I suppose, you know, that all stood to you uh, long term after that, because I suppose w- without the, the encouragement and the ter- determination from the three of you, your parents, your yourself, of course, and uh, 
your uh, teacher in um, in the previous school. I suppose that that's what uh, you know. That's what helped you in, in uh, later years as you got older. And I suppose it it was it stood to you when it came to playing sport at a higher level as you went along. And I suppose you know what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, do, do you feel that they're they're um, the way your the way your parents pushed you into saying, well, you know, it's been positive and not giving up and look, looking at what you can do in, instead of other people seeing what you can't do. Yeah, and I, I suppose that's very true. Um, and I look at life in, in this way that, you know, I'm lucky. We only live once. And yes, I have an, an impairment. And I could be downhearted and miserable or I can get up off my ass and I can go and, and up, break down barriers and, and things like that. Um, I suppose in secondary school, just to touch on it, just in case there is anyone uh, that went through this, I was very badly bullied in the first two years in secondary school because of my impairment. But I made a very silly choice at that stage in my life. I didn't tell anyone that this was happening because I felt it was my fault. And for two years, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't like getting up. And my mom and dad just thought I was being a typical teenager, didn't want to get up. And it's subsequently, and it's kind of ironic now, I work in in commercial radio and at the time, uh, Adrian Kennedy was talking about bullying one night on FM 104 and I went on the show that night because they were talking about bullying and it all came out, what had happened and the horrific incidents that I'd gone through. And I, I then subsequently moved schools to St Killian's Community School where I was fully embraced by the PE teacher because the PE teacher at the time had a knee injury so she was like I'm not going to tell you what you can't do you can tell me what you can do and I always remember and this is this is very funny we went to Blessington Adventure Centre and that PE teacher got me to abseil because she didn't see that I couldn't do it and it was kind of at that point when I was going into my junior search year I kind of touched back base with Bacha because I wanted to find a sport where you know, that I was fully equal and it, it was my ability that was looked at rather than my disability. So I kind of, you know, started to touch back in with Bacha around that. But my mom and dad always said, you know, your school is more important and you can go back to Bacha eventually. So I completed my, my, my junior cert and my leaving cert. And I finished my leaving cert then in 2004. And and at the time, the coach of the Bacha team, Keith Hayes, contacted me and he said would you think of coming back and I was like ah, I don't know because I wanted to go to college and I wanted to do the, the crazy college things and get drunk and do all that kind of fun stuff like everybody else does when they're 17 and 18 and I, um, I, Keith talked me into it and I came back in 2005 and then he said they, I was very quickly fast tracked through the senior panel because they saw potential in me so it kind of went from there. So I, I, I joined the national panel for Bocce in 2005. And, and then my first international appearance was in Rio in, in Brazil in 2006. Very good. And I suppose really from that point of view uh, where you were saying you spoke to Adrian Kennedy that night uh, where they were talking about bullying. Did you see that as a turning point in your kind of, I suppose, in your sporting career where, where you could say, right, this is what I want to do now and this is the sport I wanted to do. But I suppose really tell, telling the listeners a bit more about Boccia because I, I don't think there's, there are a lot of people that maybe don't know what, what it is. So I suppose I suppose with you, if you could tell the listeners what it involves and uh, 
And uh, tell us your achievements uh, because you've you, you've uh, very impressive achievements as well in the in sport with uh, you know as a Paralympian. Yep, no, absolutely. And I guess with the Adrian Kennedy thing, it was a turning point because I no longer felt afraid at that point. And and it's the one thing I'll always say to anybody now: if if you're in trouble in school or you're not okay, ask for help. The faster you ask for help, the quicker it'll be sorted out. So. Um, 2006 then we were going to Rio and this was a hell of a trip for your first international competition so Boccia is very much like a game of indoor balls okay you have six red balls six blue balls and a white target ball which is called a jack okay um, you play it on mm-hmm. a court the co- you're in a box which measures one metre by two and the court is, is 12 by six okay so red will always go first in Boccia uh, they will throw the jack first in the first end. There, an end is like a frame and snooker, just to simplify it, okay? Uh, so red will always yeah. go first if they win the toss, and there's four ends. Now, within Boccia, you who's ever furthest away keeps going until they get nearer or until they run out of balls. So Boccia isn't just a game of getting close to white ball. It's very much a game of chess and snooker rolled into one because you've got to outthink. He's put a ball there. How do I get a ball there? How do I block him there? How do I get more points? So, but is a very, sounds very simple, but it's not because the balls are encased in leather and they have a beanbag granule inside it. Now, within Paralympic sport, you, there's a thing called classification. So, within classification, you're put into a class based on your functional ability rather than your disability, okay? So, very much like boxing, you have welterweight, you have bantamweight, you have heavyweight. So you compete against like for like. There's no, there's meant to be no um, difference between the athletes that you play against. So when I went out to Rio, I had to be classified for the first time. And within that assessment, you're assessed by a physio and a technical classifier and a medical doctor just to make sure that you have the impairment that you're stating that you have. So I was classified as a BC1. Now within Botchett, there is four classes, BC1 to BC4. BC1 and BC2 are cerebral palsy throwers. Slight difference with BC1, the athletes can kick the balls if they can't propel the ball onto the court with their arms. BC3 players use ramps because they can't kick or propel a ball. And BC4 are non-cerebral palsy players, but they would have other impairments such as spina bifida or muscular dystrophy. So... Being a BC1, it meant that I was I, I needed an assistant on court because I was unable to move my manual wheelchair. And I always tell this story because I didn't know what, when I went out to Rio that BC1 players could kick the balls. So because I was on ranked, I got a very hard, hard enough pull. And my first game was against um, um, an Argentinian player uh, for, um, and he was the world number four. So nice, easy start for me. And when we came into the call room, we did the toss and whatever, and I saw his assistant taking off his sock, and I was like, uh, yeah. okay, what's going on here? And he put up his foot to shake my hand, and the coach went out to me and he goes, oh yeah, this lad kicks the balls, and I was like, you didn't tell me that, and I didn't know, but I shook his foot. Not in his hand, so it's kind of kind of a bit of a strange experience because obviously his foot would be pretty dirty from the from the court or whatever. So I was kind of like, 
Okay, but I shook his foot anyway. So Brazil was an enjoyable experience to be on Copacabana Beach for three and a half weeks. I, I did quite well in the individual event. I finished 10th in my first competition, um, which was great. And the team, uh, we also play in teams in Bocha, and that's back in the Beijing cycle. You quad, The team qualified. You didn't qualify individually. You qualified through the team, and then you were awarded an, an individual space. So the team finished sixth, and that was that was great. So for me, when I came back from Brazil, I was 27th in the world um, after my first event. The following year, I was in IADT doing my first radio course in, in broadcasting, and they they weren't overly supportive of me competing, and, 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 and this was another challenge that I had to overcome. So they, they weren't overly helpful or assistive at the time, and when I went to Vancouver, I was trying to do my assignments while competing um, overnight and getting them back in for our final exams. So for me, I wasn't focused on Canada and it's one of the harshest lessons I, pro- I probably learned very quickly. Um, and I finished 31st individually and that really hurt me because going from 10th to like finishing second last you know, it really, it really hurt, but it gave me a good kick up the backside to, you know, want to find out what, how we, how we got it better. So when I came back from Canada, I finished my radio course and I finished with a distinction. I was one of only three people to get a distinction in the two-year course. And I, I kind of went, right, I want to go full-time with this now because I wanted to get selected for Beijing. So within, while we were in Canada, I got classified a second time as a BC1 player, which meant now I was confirmed and I didn't have to be classified again. So we went uh, out to Beijing in 2007 for for, for, for familiarisation camp before Beijing, before 2008, before the, the, big, the, the, the big moment in the Paralympics. And to say it's a culture shock when we went to Beijing, um, we had the only accessible bus in 2007 in the entire city of Beijing. Um, we we went we went to Tiananmen Square on a sightseeing trip one day into the Great Wall, and when some some when the botch team got off the bus in their power chairs, all the locals ran over to take pictures of these wheelchairs because they'd never seen a power chair before. Very good, and I suppose really looking at uh, botch the 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 game the game you do play. Uh, what was it that attracted to you? attracted you to that sport and what other sports if any do you play as well or is it just purely boccia um, no I play a couple of sports what what drew me to boccia was boccia with the level of my impairment boccia was the only real sport that was open to me so you know uh, getting to Beijing was, was incredible uh, finishing fifth individually I'll speed it up a little bit to Europeans the following year 2009 I finished fifth so Two consecutive quarterfinals, and then in 2010, I the world championships were on, and that's when I hit the big time. I, I became world champion in 2010, um, but a year later, or literally a month after I came home from Portugal, I got we got a letter from Cerebral Palsy International Sports and Recreation Association, and they are the governing body, and they were questioning my classification after five years. So in February of 2011, they decided because I'd improved and trained and got so bit, much better, they reclassified me. So I went from being world number one to bottom of BC2. And 
and that was quite hard to right. take. Um, it was a very difficult time because I was like, you know, what's the point here? Um, I had done all this work and, and it was just taken away. And my, my dad passed away, but I always remember he said to me one day when I was in a bit of a mood, and he was like, if you give up, who wins? And I was like, what are you on about? And he said, well, if you give up, who wins? And I said, well, I don't. And he goes, exactly. He said, you know, you're just going to have to improve and get better. And I did, and I still compete compete in boccia as well. Um, I'm now the development officer for the for the sport. Well, unfortunately, the sport collapsed, and we sit under Paralympics Ireland now. And I'm the development officer, along with Kieran Delaney, who is our chair, who you probably know yourself. Uh, Kieran's a great guy and has done a lot of work in yeah. the background to get us to where we are now. In terms of my other sport, yes, I went to DCU in 2011, uh, with the intention of doing a three year degree, which turned into a five year degree around competing and around London. But while I was in DCU, we set up a power chair football team and we're one of the only, one of, I think we're the only university in Ireland with the power chair football team. And I've competed with DCU in, in the National uh, AIPF League here. It's a 32 county sport. It, um, so we've teams in the north and the south and we, all, we play against each other, but with covid Obviously, the minute that's suspended, and I've competed for DCU at European level in parachair football as well. So I play parachair football and boccia. If I could play any other sports, I'd probably play them as well, but I'm limited to what I can do. So they'd be my two main sports. Yeah. That's it. And I suppose, really, because of, because you were going to college and that, and also, you know, you're, you're a Paralympian as well with uh, Paralympics Ireland and things like that. Um, the time that you that's required for for the training and and competing for that kind of limits your time to be able. Yeah, to well, at, at the time, so from around about to two thousand and six to two thousand and twelve, I would have been funded by Sport Ireland uh, through the high performance scheme. So I was full full time in that regard. But because the previous entity in Botchy collapsed, I actually I worked full time for Sky Ireland. So I have to fund all my own trips at the minute when I was competing because um, the sport is no longer deemed high performance. That's why I, I got Kieran involved because Kieran has a good background in building an NGB. And I, I was already doing fundraising, but I've moved into development. I haven't retired yet, but it does take an awful lot of time. But I'm lucky because I'm able to, to work um, and, and promote that and promote myself to to help and I have to thank um, my employer Sky very much um, rather than take money from Botcha Ireland they actually sponsor my role as development officer so they give me additional time off as part of their corporate social responsibility to actually let me go and develop the sport um, and that was that was the brainchild of Kieran um, that actually got that up and running for us so it's it, I'm learning a lot of them going um it's trying me in the deep end, but in terms of when I was funded by Sport Ireland, I would have been training 40 hours a week, um, realistically, moving into the Paralympics because you're talking about measurements between balls, literally sheets of paper um, as the measure. So that's the level of accuracy you've got to be at. That's it. Well, listen. Um, I was just wondering there, Parik. Would you be able to? Would you be interested in maybe doing a series of interviews every week or every month? And then, because you know, it's an it's an ongoing yeah, thing absolutely. about what, what you're doing as well, and you know, 
yeah, it would be very interesting for, for myself and, and of course, the listeners to the podcast, um, you know, to, to see how you're getting on and things like that. So that that would be a great thing to do. So, yeah, that's maybe that's something we can, we can continue on with. So, listen, thanks very much for, for doing this interview. And, uh, no problem. Stay safe and take soon. care. All right. No problem. Thanks very much, Parik. And that's Parik. Moran, who is a Paralympian for Paralympic 